Hello, and welcome to the Wild Truth Chase podcast. My name's Nicholas Schaefer. I'm here with my co-host, Neeraj Shah. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Nicholas. It's been a bit of a, I'm a bit disorganized today, as you as you might have realized from our conversation earlier, but yeah, doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty well also. I've been a little bit ill this week, but I think like I'm getting better. You look pretty good. You look you look like you're you're nearly back to full strength. Well, thanks. We can, yeah, we'll just go with that since it, everybody <laughs> else can't see us. Okay, this is season three, episode six, which we are calling AI Musing. <laughs> I, did you, did oh, you get I, it? I saw that written down, but it, okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay, so what, what I gather is it's something to do with AI and humor. Is that right? That's right. That's right. So this is our season on humor and prompted by something external. We're going to have an episode here about AI and humor. And it's really a, a pretty opportunistic thing because the, the focus is really, well, I mean, the, the, the impetus is coming from the release of a, a new large language model by OpenAI. And it's, it's just going to be incidental discussion of humor, but I think it's interesting to take a particular topic and shine the lens of a, a new language model on it and see what it has to say about it. So we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about uh, the new large language model from OpenAI and then use it to explore our seasonal topic, which is humor. Cool. Just quickly recapping some stuff from last week's episode. So last week's episode was called Ha Ha Hot Water, and it was about comedy and controversy. And there was a question linked with that episode, which was, could you tell that we were uncomfortable during the episode? Please don't be upset with us. And we got a response that we didn't sound uncomfortable. I, I actually couldn't listen to the episode back because it made me feel too uncomfortable. Which I think is good that, to... that person who, who gave that answer might just be being polite. I might be just enough to get me to listen to it now. I'll, I'm going to do, I'm gonna have to give it a listen. <laughs> um, we gave it our best. I, I enjoyed listening to the episode, but I'm not a harsh critic of, of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Neither am I actually. Neither am I. I should I have listened to all the other episodes? I think that was the first one that I, I, I couldn't bring myself to listen to. Okay, and let's get into it. So actually, just getting into this episode, we're not completely unfamiliar with OpenAI, right? We do use some of OpenAI models for this podcast. Yeah, it's starting to make its way into all aspects of the podcast. We for a while now we've been using one of OpenAI's other models, Dolly to do our cover art generation for each new episode. In the episode descriptions, there are, it's always the prompt that we used to generate the image, and then the image is used as our, our cover art for the episode. And I've got to say, last week's, last week's thumbnail was pretty great. So <laughs> let me just, let me review what the, what, okay, the thumbnail prompt for last week was a person throwing a tomato at a goose who is holding a microphone cartoon style, but it didn't come out quite how you imagined it. Is that right? No, and like usually just give people a sense who haven't tried this themselves how this works. I so the the theme of the episode has been defined by whatever we discussed and then afterwards in production I'm getting ready to release the episode so I generate the image. I go through several different tries of like 
using a prompt to generate something that I think would be relevant to the episode. And usually after a couple of tries, I get something that looks pretty reasonable. It takes a couple of minutes total. Because it was about comedy and controversy last week, I tried to generate an image of like a, a goose, which is our uh, mascot for the podcast, being booed on stage. I tried several prompts related to that. And one way to visually indicate a comedian being booed is, is throwing tomatoes, right? That's the stereotypical way of to be thrown off stage, although I don't think that ever actually happens. I tried a whole bunch of prompts related to that, and I just could not get it to generate anything reasonable. And I ended up with a person with a goose growing out of their elbow. <laughs> if, you, if you want to see this particular thumbnail, actually, you can find it on our website, wildtruthchase.com, or also on Spotify, I think, or, or whichever uh, method you use to listen to the to the episodes. And then I, I think it just put like a, a tomato somewhere randomly in the image, <laughs> if I recall correctly. But I think it has been the first one that's been very difficult to do. I mean, otherwise, Dali's been performing pretty well for these thumbnails. That's right. I, I, I got the, the crab pinching the money. That was a good one. Um, yeah. Based on your joke from earlier in the season. Yeah, there's been quite quite a few good ones, but for that, some reason, like that one was a was a hard one. So yeah, so Dali, which was it's which is a, a stable diffusion model for generating images, which was released uh, by OpenAI. Now, oh, now you're now you're mixing. You're going to upset the aficionados. So stable oh. diffusion is a different diffusion model, different text to image diffusion model. Oh, okay. Which is fully open source, ah. and Dali is the OpenAI. It's also a diffusion model, but yeah, separate oh, so th text to image this, model. This is a Hoover vacuum situation. Was that a joke? Well, no, just as a point of interest. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot Are of people... You, call... you mean like a, a Kleenex or a Frisbee? Yeah, You're, exactly. It's, a, it's, a, it's but, the name of a... You use the name of a particular yeah, where the uh, brand model. gets Yeah, where the brand gets used to name a an item that can be made by many brands. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess that is then. Yeah, and but but the other day you you sent me some things on the Discord. So if you do come into our Discord, Discord, these are the sort of things that you might see. But you sent me some output from ChatGPT. That's right. Do you want to tell us a bit about ChatGPT? Well, one way to define ChatGPT is that if you're on Twitter, at least anything close to my Twitterverse, it's just like all you're seeing is like prompts and responses from from ChatGPT. But I think. It may be of interest to some people to like back up a little bit and see where this is coming from. So GPT-3, which is a refined version of GPT-3, is what is underlying ChatGPT. GPT-3 was a large language model released by OpenAI and was first discussed in a paper back in July of 2020. And the title of the paper is Language Models Are Few-Shot Learners. So maybe it's it's good to talk a little bit about like what is a a language model. Oh well, so language models. Well, so they 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 all fall under, fall under the broad category of natural language processing, which is trying to do stuff with language. I don't know if there's a more specific definition of a language model. I don't know if I've been caught out here versus the diffusion stable diffusion. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, at least I think that's right. I mean, if the the input and or the output is text data. Yeah. Um, then that would be a language model. A large language model in particular, of course, refers to a language model with many parameters. And typically, if it's tr tr trained with many parameters, also has very large input data sets. For example, in the uh, original GPT-3 paper, they mentioned that one of the main data sets that was used to train it was something called the common crawl data set, 
which had more than a trillion words in the data set, which is a very large, large number. I wonder, I wonder how many words we've come across in our lifetimes, actually. I feel like it isn't, I feel like that is, it's outlearned me. Oh, it's seen, oh, for seen, sure. seen more words than I've seen. <laughs> seen more Definitely. Content. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the idea here is that, well, first of all, like how, how do you get a computer to understand words at all? And in order to do that, computers are not going to work directly with words. So you have to encode them somehow. And a very common form of encoding is to embed them in numerical vectors. And depending on the model, the embedding may be done at different levels or at multiple levels. One very common form of embedding is called word embedding. What you'll do is you'll take a word and turn it into a, a vector, which is essentially just a list of numbers, which is some certain length. And that length is a design choice in, in the hands of the modeler. So you might take a word like cat, and it might be turned into 128 different numbers would be then, then you'd say, oh, it's 128 dimensional embedding. That's, that's how the original encoding of the data is done so that it can be, then the model can be trained. So, so I guess once you've got it into that numerical, numerical format, then you can use the more standard sorts of learning methods. Although I don't know what particular things they might have needed to do to actually train such a big model. I know we were just discussing that. Previously, it felt that a lot of machine learning and, and those sorts of things were being democratized, but it doesn't feel like this would be. And I, I do wonder what they use under the hood to train such big, big models. Because the model itself, so is is 800 gigabytes in size, which is, that's GPT-3, right. I think. Right. That's not massive. the training data. That's yeah. the, that's the output of the model, right? I mean, that's yeah. the that's the, the, just the model parameters themselves. Exactly. Because there's like 170 Billion, was that right? A billion parameters? I can't remember the number. 175 billion parameters. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wonder what it actually takes to, what the mechanics of that are to, to do that learning. Yeah. It's, a, it's an enormous engineering feat on top of everything else to, to get these models trained, which we'll discuss a little bit more. So, that, so then you have to ask, you're like, what is it being trained to do? And at a basic level, this is a so-called auto-regressive language model. Which means that, you know, so you might think like, oh, you have a, if you have a, just a whole bunch of text data, uh, what are the labels, right? For people who are familiar with machine learning, there has to be some label or a target variable, right? And you might think like, well, does a person have to go through all trillion words and tell it what the labels are? And there's a trick involved here, which is just that it's an autoregressive model, meaning that all of the words up to a certain point the text up to a certain point is used to predict uh, the next word or set of words subsequently. So that you can see how this takes a whole bunch of data and in a very automated way generates a huge training set by just saying that I'm going to use as input the words that come before and I'm going to use as my target the words that come after. And that's how you're able to like in a completely automated way generate what's actually amounts to a, a supervised learning training data set out of all of this seemingly unstructured data. And do you, so I, the first time in, I remember writing a, an email in using Gmail and it started suggesting the next words that I should be putting in. And this is what you're talking about here, which is the autoregressive model where it looks at what you've already written and then suggests the next word, the next, the likeliest next words that you might want to write. 
And I, I was a bit, I was like, wow, this is interesting. And now I tend to use it all the time because it does give me pretty good suggestions. It makes writing emails much quicker. Even when you, it's not actually what you want to say. Just yeah, exactly. exactly. You just yeah. accept it. It's like, like, I guess that is what I want to say. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that's a, that's an example of uh, autoregressive models working there. I mentioned that this paper came out in 2020. And we also mentioned that like, because these models are so large, they're not really fully democratized, meaning that like the average person couldn't even download the, the fixed model, right? It's 800 gigabytes. How many, you know, maybe you have like a couple terabyte hard drive on your computer. Now like downloading would like, like take up all the space. Right. So even just running these models is a, is a huge undertaking for a, a typical person. You might wonder why, why if this basic technology was developed all the way back in 2020, why is it just making big waves now? And what's special about chat GPT, I think, is the fact that it's now available to everyone to use in an easy way. So all you need to go, all you need to do is to open chat.openai.com in your browser and then log in. And assuming they're not having, currently having trouble handling all of the load, then you can just log in and start using it. And in the background is this 800 gigabyte model that's being run over and over and over as people from all across the world feed it millions of prompts. And they're just running that model on their system on your, on your behalf. Chat GPT in particular, we can talk about like its specific purpose, but I think the real reason why it's making such a big splash is that anybody can use it and, and have access to it. And that being said, Nicholas, you did actually use it the other day when you sent me some examples of chat GPT. So, I mean, so this, this season has, has been all about humor and, and Nick sent me some examples of chat, B, chat GPT doing humor, I think it was a couple of days ago. And here's an example of one. So, so what you put in was, tell me a joke about a goose trying to improve his health. And the joke was, why did the goose join a gym? To improve his honks size, I can't even say it. honks size routine. <laughs> honker size. Honker size. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a joke I would laugh at if I didn't know that it was generated by an AI. Well, probably. It, so suppose I told you that joke, Nick. How would you feel about that? I would. I would believe that you wrote that joke. It's <laughs> oh, not very on. good. <laughs> <laughs> brutal. Brutal. Yeah. So. Exactly. So we, I have been trying to discuss many things with ChatGPT. What one of them was asking it to tell me is various kinds of jokes. So here's another prompt that I put in: Tell me a joke that's hard to understand, because we've been talking about what what makes a joke easy to understand and hard to understand. And uh, this was the response: Why couldn't the bicycle stand up by itself? Because it's too tired. Okay. And then it very helpfully provides an explanation for its own joke in case you didn't understand it. It says, this joke is hard to understand because it uses wordplay on the word tired, which can mean both exhausted and having two tires. The joke is saying that the bicycle was too exhausted to stand up, but it's also saying that it only had two tires, which could make it unstable and unable to stand on its own. Which is a, <laughs> which is a, a pretty amazing amount of insight into the joke, right? I, I, I wonder, so 
we've had this joke a couple of times. Uh, both me and you, as we've been asking chat GPT questions, we've had this joke a couple of times. And I do wonder also whether the explanation was taken from elsewhere or whether it managed to understand this explanation itself. Yeah. I, I mean, with, with these things, we don't know whether it's directly regurgitating specific content that it already consumed or whether it's, it's generating something that's new. This to me sounds like a joke that probably should have been told before, although I can't, I don't remember hearing it before I heard it from the AI, but it's, it's a pretty, a pretty solid joke, I would say. Yeah, it's a, a pretty good joke. I, I, I did chuckle when I, when I saw it, but uh, so I, I've been trying to bring a joke every week to the podcast. And this time I thought I'd get chat GPT to write me a joke for the podcast. And my prompt was tell me a long joke about geese that Nick will enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> so chat GPT responded. I'm sorry, but I'm not able to browse the internet or access information about specific individuals. So I don't know what joke Nick might enjoy. However, here is a joke about geese that you may find humorous. Why did the goose cross the road? To get to the bar. That was the joke. Well, and then there's, but it does, it does add, it does add. Or if you prefer a longer joke. A farmer was having a problem with geese invading his garden and eating all of his crops. He tried everything he could think of to get rid of them, but nothing seemed to work. Finally, he had an idea. He went to a pet store and bought a parrot. He brought the parrot home and placed it in the garden, hoping it would scare the geese away. The next day, he went out to check on the garden and found that the geese were still there, but the parrot was gone. He searched all over the farm, but he couldn't find the parrot anywhere. Just as he was about to give up, he heard a voice coming from a nearby tree. Psst! Hey farmer! Up here. He looked up and saw the parrot sitting in the tree. What are you doing up there? He asked. I'm hiding from those crazy geese, the parrot replied. They chased me all over the garden and I had to climb up here to escape. The farmer laughed and said, Well, I guess the joke's on me. I thought the parrot would scare the geese away, but it looks like the geese scared the parrot away instead. <laughs> okay. I think it's learning to write its jokes from you. I don't know. Like the, it's a sort of like very long, drawn out, soft landing jokes. They are my speciality. Yeah. So I don't know. We can talk about different considerations around AI and humor, but my top level takeaway, having experimented with this for a little while, is that at least currently, right now, you're not going to just consistently get like top tier level humor directly out of um you know of the machine so to speak but i think for a lot of like brainstorming purposes having somebody to to talk to so to speak right we talked about early on in the season there was a a person a com comedian professional comedian who's making the recommendation to find somebody to talk to about humor right of course like the limitation there is like you have to actually find someone who's willing to discuss humor with you all the time right and if you don't have somebody who's obsessed as you are that could be difficult but here, all you got to do is log in. <laughs> and in a way, you're having a conversation about humor th with a trillion word text that's been condensed down into 800 gigabytes and you know, is available for you to interact with. And it really is more of a form of interaction than, than other, other models. So we mentioned there are some particular aspects of ChatGPT 
that were fine-tuned with respect to other versions of the model, and it's focused specifically on dialogue. And the training is done with a human-in-the-loop aspect to it, where it provides a prompt and a human will provide the answer so that it can use all of its pre-existing knowledge to come up with good answers later that are more similar to what a human would have provided in that context. And it also allows you to do things like refer back to previous parts of your conversation. So if three prompts ago you were asking it about badminton or something like that, you can, you can refer back to that conversation and then it will take the conversation up to that point into account when providing its subsequent answers. And you can also do things like say, summarize the conversation and it will provide a summary of all of the topics that you've discussed with it thus far. It's really much more interactive in that sense than, than previous instantiations of, of machine learning models. Okay, so just to test that theory, I did just type in now, Nick was not impressed, can you tell me another? Which means another joke, right? And ChatGPT replied, I'm sorry if the previous joke didn't meet your expectations. Here is another joke about geese that you may find funnier. Why, <laughs> why did the goose go to the doctor? Beca because it had a bad case of quackitis. <laughs> it also provided another longer joke, but I won't go for the other longer joke. I think it will, it will take too long. Oh, well, I see, but it could be interesting. Yeah, but it's so it definitely is a lot more. It, it feels like you're having a conversation with something that has a memory of what else you've spoken about. I right. don't know if that's... Like, I mean, to the point of like, like so I guess just to close that out, I mean, you know, if, if you want to discuss humor, so to speak, with someone or something, and you don't have a person handy, this, this might be the a kind of go-to when all your friends are sleeping. You can log in and discuss humor with this, with this AI. And I've got to say that it's, it comes up with, like, if you were to look at all the jokes that I've tried to write, it definitely does a better job than me. So like if it's pretty good uh, versus the average person, not against like a, a proper comedian, but it doesn't feel any worse than me is what I would say. And maybe a bit better. <laughs> so I had it write a couple of duo comedy bits for us. Should we try performing some of these? Yeah, we can, we can do that. Which one do you want to go for? Uh, we'll go for the American and the Brit. Sure. Okay, here we go. Welcome to our podcast, where we discuss the latest news and trends in technology. And as always, we'll be taking a measured and thoughtful approach to our analysis. Unless, of course, we get distracted by a good pun, in which case all bets are off. Oh, I do love a good pun. Let's get started, shall we? Absolutely. First up, we have a new study that shows that AI-powered toilet paper dispensers are the future of bathroom technology. I say, that sounds absolute, absolutely ludicrous. Ha <laughs> ha, good one. I guess we'll have to roll with it. <laughs> That's a, that was, I was impressed by that. Uh, for anyone who didn't get my joke, which is pretty, pretty common, ludicrous. <laughs> Lou is often used as toilet in the UK, so ludicrous. That's where that, that came yeah, from. Yeah, so it was written out as L-O-O dash... D-I-C-R-O-U-S, ludicrous. I probably should have said lewd. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, should we do the data scientists? Yeah, we can do the data scientists one. I'll be the first. Welcome to our podcast, where we explore the intersection of data science and humor. Today, we'll be discussing the latest findings on the predictability of humorous content using machine learning algorithms. 
That's right. Our analysis shows that humor can be accurately predicted with a high degree of accuracy using regression models and natural language processing techniques. But of course, as always, there are some outliers and edge cases that are difficult to model. Exactly. For example, we found that jokes about data science tend to have lower predictive accuracy than other types of jokes. Yes, but that's to be expected. After all, data scientists have a well-known sense of humor failure. <laughs> Good one. I guess you will just have to accept that some things are beyond the power of data science to predict. <laughs> so, you know, if you think about like who is involved in training these models, it's probably like data scientists or data science adjacent people. I think this counts as like self-deprecating humor on behalf of data scientists, right? Because they're talking about how data scientists are known to not be funny. Humor failure. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've, I think that's pretty accurate on my part. But it, yeah, like it, it has been, it's been quite fun using it and, and seeing what it's capable of. I mean, there's always bigger conversations in terms of, well, is it going to put people out of work and how do... How do, how do people, does it feel like it's encroaching on the creative aspects of humanity, which I think people tend to get concerned about? Yeah. I, do you, have you had any thoughts about that? Well, before, before we started recording, you mentioned to me that you were concerned about it causing people to just start all speaking the same way or <laughs> like writing things in the same way. And I actually asked it for a list of topics that we could discuss in this episode. And one of them was the potential ethical implications of using AI in comedy and humor, including the potential loss of authenticity and originality. Yeah. So not only is it causing that, but it's anticipating itself causing that. <laughs> I, I do always wonder this with Grammarly. So I don't know if anyone, well, I guess most people have seen the adverts for Grammarly, but Grammarly is a tool that helps people correct their grammar as they're writing things. But I just wonder if that causes a lot of people just to write in very similar ways and I don't tend to use stuff like that because I'll, it may be wrong but it's it's my wrong <laughs> <laughs> do you yeah. do you do you not use spell check either for that same reason do oh it's a good question I, I I haven't used spell check in ages but it just does it for maybe that's what's going to happen maybe these things would just happen and I won't notice Spellcheck has been a problem for us in the past because spellcheck has to be set to either UK <laughs> or US. And whichever one we set it to, there's misspelled words in our shared documents. They're not misspelled. Well, they're marked as being misspelled. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a it's a good challenge. Yeah, would you But I think there's a difference between spelling and and how you write, right? Yeah. Presumably that there's more valid flexibility in the style of writing than in spelling. in spelling. I think most people would would say that's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I have been thinking about the... Because also with Dali, people were worried about these models taking uh, taking people's livelihoods away. I think Because I, I think you've already started seeing like stock images generated by Dali. And in the past, maybe stock images were generated by people and put in there. But I do wonder how different it is actually to when shoes started being made in factories and or, or other things, where, when anything started to be made in factories and, and those skills that the people had prior to automation coming in being pushed to the side in, term, in favor of automation. Yeah, I, it feels it feels more personal because it feels like it might be encroaching on the creative part of on the on our intellectual side, which is what 
people always think sets humans apart from other things. But I don't know if that's, yeah, that's just some impressions from from myself as I've thought about these things. Yeah, I don't have very clear thoughts about this, but definitely when I tried this this week, it did feel like a generational moment. I'm not going to attempt to predict what all the consequences will be, but this does really feel like something different. So it's, it's fun to explore. Are you going to continue having conversations with chat GPT? Is this going to be something? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, just in, in all seriousness, I just have it open all the time now. And one of the more concrete applications are, if you think about the Google searches you do, there might be one way to think about it is like you can split them into two different types. One is like you're looking for an original, specific original document. You have to Google to find that document. Okay, that that sort of information, like whole documents cannot be retrieved here. And that's not the purpose of it. If on the other hand, you're like, you're Googling to get a fact or a short summary of a concept, then in many cases, like this is superior to that already quite clearly. So, so yeah, I, I keep it open all the time. And whenever I think of something to, I I'm curious about something I otherwise Google or somehow look up in other ways, I, I put it in here as well, just to see what it, what it yields. And, and this is not even a model. So as, as Nick mentioned earlier, this is a model that was targeted towards having conversations but it's it's not a model that was targeted towards humor and i wonder like if you were to train like a very specific model for humor and humor generation like how that would perform whether it would perform even better um and really be able to do some interesting stuff yeah excellent okay i'm gonna say Write me a sign-off for a podcast about AI and humor. Oh, your session has expired, it says. Is it joking with you or is it actually expired? <laughs> I need to log in again. Yeah. I'll, I'll, let me see if I can tell another joke whilst, whilst we wait. Oh, I'll tell my long joke. Okay, let me, let me hold on. Let me tell my long joke. Okay, this is, another, this is the, the second long joke that I got. A farmer had a goose that laid golden eggs. Every day, the goose would lay a single golden egg and the farmer would sell them for a hefty profit. He was very happy with his goose and took good care of it, making sure it had everything it needed to be healthy and happy. One day, the farmer decided to cut open the goose to see if there was a secret stash of gold inside. To his surprise, he found that the goose was just like any other goose and there was no gold inside. He was very disappointed and angry at himself for being so foolish. He realized that he should have been content with the golden eggs that the goose was already giving him, and that by trying to get more, he had ruined everything. From that day on, the goose stopped laying golden eggs, and the farmer was left with nothing but a goose that was no better than any other goose. The moral of the story is, don't try to get more than what you already have, or you may end up with nothing at all. Did you prompt it for a joke I... or for a moral st story? I prompted it for a joke, but I think it decided you needed a moral story, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that's relevant to you, but don't don't cut open the goose that's laying your golden eggs. Okay, so I guess that's like don't look inside the Chat GPT model. Just exactly. Just keep mining it for humor gold. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay, so from the AI itself. Thank you for tuning in to AI Musing Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and had a good laugh. Until next time, keep laughing and stay curious. 
Thanks, ChatGPT. Thanks, Nick. And we'll see you all next time. Take care.